Good morning. <laughs> Tuesday, October 6th of 2015 started, uh, started pretty early for me. Actually, it started the previous night, which was a carryover. I had worked uh, on a production issue till about 2 a.m. that morning. And about 10 p.m. the previous night, I'd gotten an email invitation to a meeting at 8.30 the next morning. So think about that. 10 p.m. on October, Monday, October 5th, I get an invitation to an 8.30 a.m. meeting for Tuesday, October 6th. Um, I happened to see it because I happened to be awake, because I happened to have still been at the office working on an issue that I would stay there until 2 a.m. Wasn't happy about an 8.30 meeting. The uh, subject line of the meeting was um, organizational updates. And uh, we had had some layoffs prior to that. They'd been coming in waves about every three or four months. Um, a few at a time, usually 25 to 50, uh, maybe 100 at a time. Um, and, um, but we had been told that we were pretty much through that for this season. Like, we, we're, we've done all we're going to do. Uh, everything's cool. Uh, we'll reassess some things next year, but... Uh, and so, stupid me, I, I see the subject line on the thing, and I'm thinking, well, um, obviously they've, they've cut some people loose, and they're moving some things around, and they're reassigning some responsibilities and, and that kind of thing. And uh, probably what this is going to be is, is I'm going to be picking up some some new responsibilities or some things that I'm going to have to take care of that used to be taken care of by somebody else. And uh, I got there, so I went home, uh, like I said, about 2 a.m. and got about four hours of sleep and got my rear end out of bed uh, the next morning and, and made it in for the 8.30 meeting. And what I found when I got there was uh, the meeting was in a what they used to call uh, vendor rooms out in the lobby of the building that we were in. Um, those are small conference rooms, uh, typically meetings of two to maybe four or five people. They're pretty small. Um, there were four of those vendor rooms in the lobby of my building. Uh, and, and when I got there, all four rooms were already in full tilt. Um, there were meetings scheduled uh, every half hour in all four rooms. And when I got there, uh, I found my manager's manager and our HR representative. And uh, they had called me there to tell me that I was no longer employed with Walmart. Um, in September, one month earlier, I had received this little gift, 
Congratulations on your 25 years of faithful service with Walmart. Two weeks earlier, I had gone to the Saturday morning meeting at the AMP and had my name across the screen and shook hands with all the executives on stage and led the group in the Walmart cheer and all of that. And uh, two weeks after that event, they were telling me, don't let the screen door hit you on the way out. Um, it was almost surreal. It was a weird feeling. Um, there were loss prevention guys stationed in the lobby, the biggest and burliest ones they could find. It's obvious they were prepared for anybody that might want to raise a ruckus or, or cause any, any kind of issue uh, in case somebody had to be physically restrained. Um, I asked about uh, going back over to my desk and picking up my personal things. No, that's, we'll, we'll ship those to you. I asked about uh, walking my aisle and saying goodbye to my team. I was their manager. I had a couple of dozen people that, that reported to me. Uh, no, not, that's not going to happen. One of the loss prevention fellows that was in the lobby there uh, escorted me to the, they took my badge and escorted me to the door like a criminal. 25 years with the company, and they're afraid to have me walk back down the aisle and say bye to my team because of what I might say or do. I, I felt like I felt like a criminal. They, they treated me like an, I mean, it's like 25 years, guys. I mean, for, for real, this is the way it is. And that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Um... Walking out to the car, because uh, if you guys have, uh, have been to the Walmart home office or ever worked there, you know that uh, parking lots are acres and acres, and it's a little bit of a hike sometimes to your vehicle. Uh, walking out to my truck, I, uh, I, I, th I thought three things. Uh, first thought was, gee whiz, what a chump I was for staying up here all night last night. <laughs> <laughs> Second thought was, um, how am I going to break this news to Cindy, my wife? And the third thought was, I can't just walk out of here and leave my team without even saying bye. So I, I called back into to one of the guys on my team. I said, hey, look, um, they, they just cut me loose. Uh, but I'm going to drive by the door on my way out. And if anybody wants to come out and, and say bye or whatever, then I'll stop off and shake hands. And, and uh, I expect that, you know, that four or five people might come out. Um, so I let him go work on that, and, and I called Cindy, and I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to be home in a little while. 
And she said, so they gave you the day off for working all night last night? I said, not exactly. <laughs> yeah, they gave me the day off. Um, no, it's over. What, what are you, what's over? What are you talking about? I'm no longer a Walmart associate. My time at Walmart is over. It's done. And it's uh, going just silence. I got on the phone. I said, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there in a little bit. We'll talk about it. Well, by this time, I had gotten to my truck, and I was heading over to the back door of the building. And uh, I found about 30 people that had come out uh, to say bye. Ken had, uh, had rounded up. I mean, he had gone up and down the aisle and said, hey, they just cut Scott loose. Uh, but he's going to come by and tell us bye if you want to want to be out there. And about 30 folks came out. Uh, some tears and some hugs and uh, what have you. Um, and uh, it made me feel good that they, were, they wanted to come out and tell me bye. Um, my message to them was, look, um, I'm gone, but you still have a job to do. So do the job that, that, that you're there to do and do it to the best of your ability and hang in there. Um, but it was weird. It was weird. I had, uh, I had never been in a situation where I left the job by somebody else's choice. <laughs> every, I'd left some jobs before, but every job that I'd ever left was because I had decided it was time to go and do something different. This was, this was weird. Uh, I learned that uh, there were about 500, between 500 and 550 of us. They had basically eliminated uh, a layer of middle management in, the, uh, in my department. And, uh, but it was strange. And it made you feel, it made you feel like, what did I do wrong? Am I not good enough? I've been blood, sweat, and tears for you for 25 friggin' years. And you, you kicked me out the door without even so much as a thank you. Oh, you got your thank you last month, Thompson. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, it went to the core of my identity because a very, very elemental piece of my identity, who I am, who I was, is I provide for my family. I'd always held a job, had always busted my tail at my job, had always been well-regarded, well-respected, uh, and ultimately well-compensated. And that was my role. I provide for my family. I wasn't providing for my family. 
anymore at that point. It comes home with a, like a ton of bricks when you go down to the unemployment office to file for unemployment benefits. Um, you go in and you fill out the paperwork and you turn it into the lady at the desk and she says, go sit over there and we'll call you when it's your turn. And when it's your turn, you go and you sit across the desk from a government bureaucrat and you beg them for your benefits. It's very humbling. In fact, I would almost classify it as degrading. And it doesn't matter how polite and how professional the person across the desk is. It doesn't matter that your skill set and your abilities are far advanced from what hers may be. Um, she has two things that you don't have. She has a job, and she has control over whether you'll get benefits, the amount of benefit you're eligible for, and when those benefits will begin. And so you smile, and you answer her questions, questions that two months ago, if somebody in her position had been asking you, you would have said, that's none of your business but you answer the questions with a smile on your face and you fill out all the paperwork, all the forms, and you bring in whatever documentation that she asks for. And then every Sunday, between the hours of 6 a.m. and noon, you log on to her system and you solemnly swear that you had three interviews this week so you can get your $400 check. Four hundred dollars. How many? What? You, they they ask you to to state that you've had three interviews that week. The the type of position that I was that I was looking for, you weren't going to get three interviews a week for that that type of position. It wasn't like I was looking at the want ads and going down to Chick Fil A and saying, "Can I be your fry cook?" Okay. Um, anyway, it's a position I never thought I would be in, and it's very humbling. Um, I, speaking of that, that process, Paul, I, uh, I was out of work for a year. Um, during that year, uh, and, I, and I had some parameters that uh, I, I had around jobs that I would apply for. Um, most of those parameters, most of those bars got lowered <laughs> as time went by. Um, Marcus, when you were talking a couple of months ago about 
I've been a chef. I found somebody that would hire me as a cook. I kind of, I related to that. Because there comes a point where you're going, I, I, I got to have some income. I got to have a job. I got to do something, right? Anyway, uh, the one that I wasn't, uh, that I was pretty firm on, I didn't want to move farther away from my parents. My parents are in their upper 70s. Uh, my mother's not in the best of health. Uh, I wanted to be where I could get back to their house if I needed to. And they live down close to Waco, Texas. So basically what I did was I looked at jobs with companies uh, between here and San Antonio. And uh, I applied for about 225 of them. Uh, and I got interviews uh, with about 30 of them. Um, made it to a second interview a dozen times or so, and made it to a third interview three times. But the answer was always the same. Um, you got a lot of cool stuff on your resume, but your skills are outdated. Your time and leadership position didn't go very long or very high, or we've decided to hire from within. See, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid in my former job where they had told me, we want you to focus on your leadership skills. We want you to focus on uh, leading people, managing people. We don't want you to focus on the technical side anymore. We're, we're going to use your overall technical understanding and your ability to relate to technical people, and we're going to put you in positions where you're leading technical people, and that's what you, we want you to focus on. Been doing that for about five years. Do you know what happens over a span of five years if you don't maintain your technical skill set? Yeah. Scott, your resume looks great. If you'd been at our door 10 years ago, we would love to have hired you because <laughs> your skill set would exactly fit what we were doing 10 years ago. Your skill set would have marginally fit what we were doing six, five, even four years ago. But today, no, your technical skill set is completely obsolete. I don't know what that sounds like to you guys. To me, that sounded like you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. And 225 times, that's what we did. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. For a man who has taken pride in his ability to earn a living, hold a job, provide for his family, It's like, just take me out back and whoop me. And that'd be easier to take than, than, than this. Um, some days I was okay with it. Uh, 
You know, on my best days, I was, uh, man, I don't have anything to be upset about, I don't have anything to be bitter about. Uh, Walmart gave me uh, 25 years of, of uh, a roof over my head and food on my table, allowed me to raise my kids in a, in a great community. What do I have to be bitter about? I'm a blessed man. I could also look at it philosophically and say, um, you know, God, God has a new assignment for me. And he knew that I would never jump out of that old assignment on my own. So he gave me a little kick in the seat of the pants to get me moving so he could take me to my new assignment. That was on my best days. Not all days were my best days. There were days when I was completely depressed, when I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, it was hard to sleep. It's hard getting to sleep at night because your mind just continues to race. Um, you finally do get to sleep, and you wake up in the morning, and for about 15 seconds in the morning, um, that first 15 seconds that you're conscious, it's a new day and everything's cool. And then after about 15 seconds, you remember, oh, yeah. I don't have any place to go today. I've got to go apply for some more jobs that are probably going to turn me down. And that just, man, just eats at you. And then, of course, the job that I did, the tasks of the job function itself still remained. And so you'd hear through the grapevine, well, so-and-so is doing this now, and so-and-so got promoted to that now, and so-and-so has this title now, and so-and-so is taking over the stuff that you, and you're going, that dude couldn't carry my jockstrap. And you just get mad about it. And yeah, on the one hand, it was a business decision. On the other hand, that was a stupid business decision, Walmart. Um, so yeah, there were good days and there were good moments, but there were also some pretty negative feelings and some that, some bad moments. Um, we, uh, I got to a point financially where I was feeling a little bit desperate. Time had passed. Uh, I was uh, faced with the very real possibility that, uh, that we would be moving out of the house that we were in, either to downsize or to relocate to another town. And uh, the house that we were in, we built it in 1999 um, and basically raised four kids and uh, a variety of animals in this house. And it wasn't in bad shape, but it had not been kept up to date. And so I knew that if I had to sell this house, um, that I was going to need to upgrade, update, uh, remodel, etc. But I knew that was going to take money. I got no income. I got this, this pile of money from the severance package, 
which is a whole nother deal because even though Walmart's fourth quarter ends at January 31st, they were unwilling to hold my severance check until after the first of the year. They gave it to me in December, which meant that I was effectively in a tax bracket of 40% for 2015 because I had earned my paycheck and gotten my severance. So basically my, my income was overinflated for 2015. But anyway, all that to say, what looked like a big pile of money was the gauge was heading toward empty at a pretty good clip. And we had, we had cut out pretty much all the unnecessary stuff. I mean, we were, we cut it to the bone pretty much expense wise. Um, but I knew if we needed to get out, if we, if we were going to sell that house, we needed to upgrade it. So we started looking into that. And obviously if you do that, it shortens your runway for when you have to have a new job because you're going to have to, you run out of money, you know, this many months or sooner than you would have otherwise. But if you don't get a job either way and you're all, all the way out to the end of that and you have to get out from under this house. So we bit the bullet. We went for it. Uh, we did the, the new fixtures and the new countertops and the new floors and the paint and the whole thing. Um, and, uh, Good night, nurse. We were hemorrhaging money. Uh, by the time everything was said and done on that, uh, that ended up being somewhere in the vicinity of forty-five grand. Um, yeah, so it shortens your runway. <laughs> shortens your runway on on how how long you have to find income. Um, so you get into that, and you, man, you, you, I was really starting to feel desperate. Um, and things start going through your mind. Uh, am I going to have to move back in with my parents at age 54? Am I, are we going to lose the house? We still had a mortgage at that point, right? Um, am I going to have to sell the house at, at a loss just to get out from under the mortgage? Um, do I need to liquidate all the retirement accounts and pay the penalty on all that just to make the bills month to month? And you just start thinking about all this stuff. Um, and you're trying to keep a brave face for your wife, right? It's going to be okay. We're working it. And, I, and, you know, I mean, I was working it. Uh, I had a status meeting, a staff meeting with me, myself, and I every Wednesday morning. And we had goals that we were worked on for the week had X number of uh, applications, uh, X number of interviews that I was shooting for, uh, talked to various people in my network every week, have a couple of service opportunities every week, have make sure I have my, don't neglect my quiet time every day, um, work out, you know, got myself into a better physical condition. So I was like, better be broken healthy and then broken sick, right? 
And, um, but yeah, you, you, you start thinking about all these crazy scenarios. Uh, and, and I got angry with God, y'all. Um, I did. I, I, I said, look, God, I've, I busted it all those years and I lost the job anyway. And I'm trying to keep a good attitude here. I've got my program. I'm working my process. And I'm doing the stuff that I'm supposed to do. And I'm doing my part. When are you going to do your part? <laughs> and... uh the Spirit spoke to me. And uh, I don't want to make this sound mystical, y'all. It's not like I heard voices, okay? But I do think the Holy Spirit leads us into thoughts that give us perspective and guide our intentions. And... Uh, the spirit was not gentle and it was not kind. <laughs> he basically said, uh, shut up, you baby. How many meals have you missed so far, Scott? I haven't missed a meal yet, Lord. How many payments have you missed so far, Scott? Well, we're keeping up with our payments. We haven't missed a payment yet. Uh-huh. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, you've been treating this thing like a barter. You've been trying to put me in a situation where if you do this, that I'm supposed to do this. Scott, here's what I need you to understand. I know what your bank account looks like. I know how fast money's coming out of that thing. I know what you need. And I know when you need it. And I'll take care of all this. But it's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by your effort. It's not going to be because it's something that you deserved or you earned. And it's not going to be on your timetable. Scott, I'm going to give you what you need when you need it because you're my son and I love you. It's not going to be because you earned it. It's not going to be because you deserved it. It's not going to be because... You put me in a situation where I, had, I was obligated to give you whatever. It will be because you're my son and I love you. You've trusted in your ability to earn a living. You've trusted in your intellect. You've trusted in your education. You've trusted in your bank account. You've trusted in your retirement account. You've found security 
in everything except me. And what I need you to understand is all you need is me. So I tried to argue. So, but Lord, just, okay, time out. Hear me, hear me out here. <laughs> hear me? Okay. Um, I went to school all those years, and I, by gosh, I worked hard for those grades. Scott, who put you in a home with parents who valued an education and were willing to help you pay for an education? I guess that was you, Lord. But Lord, every job that I've ever had, regardless of if it was a menial, minimum pay job, or whether it was whatever it was, I've busted my tail and given everything that I had and done what needed to be done. Scott, who gave you every one of those opportunities? Who gave you the health to be able to pursue that? Who put you in proximity with people who would love you and invest in you and train you and mentor you so that you could optimize those opportunities? Oh, or I guess that was you. You see, Scott, everything that you are, everything you've ever had, and every achievement that you've ever accomplished was a gift for me because I love you. And yes, you were present. And yes, you stepped into those opportunities as I presented them to you. But you never would have had those opportunities had I not been laying them out there for you. And... Guys, it, it's, a, uh, it's a hard, it was a hard lesson for me to understand that God is willing to sacrifice uh, my comfort, my dignity, my finances, even my health, if that's what it takes to bring about the, the change in my heart that he's looking for. That, that, was, a, that was a hard deal for me. Um, you know, he, he essentially told me, Scott, you, you, you really, in all seriousness, you haven't really suffered yet. If, if you need to lose the house, and you need to eat out of a dumpster, and you need to live in a cardboard box under the bridge in order for you to understand that I'm all that you need. We'll go there. But I was kind of hoping you were smarter than that. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um... 
I'm going to skip the part of the story where I got a new job. I did get a new job, and that's a cool story. I work with the radio station over in Siloam Springs. You may have heard of it, KLRC. I'm their data guy. Um, interestingly, at the same time that that job was coming to fruition, uh, I had an opportunity for a second job in Austin, Texas. Um, and that's another interesting story, but that's another story for another day. Um, what I'm going to skip to for right now is just to, by way of conclusion, uh, is to, to kind of tell you what, what type of impact that's had on me coming out of that and moving forward. Okay. Um, The big, big takeaway for me has been, uh, I got to surrender everything to God. And yes, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and what needs to be done in order to honor him. But at the end of the day, nothing that I have, nothing that I am, nothing that I achieve is done without the gracious hand of my Father. Um, and the other thing that, that has occurred to me that I've noticed is uh, it has changed the way that I pray. And guys, I, I, I told you a year or so ago, uh, about my son who was healed of an incurable disease by the hand of God. I, um, I believe in prayer, but I'm very, very cautious anymore about asking God to alter mine or anybody else's circumstances. Reason being, I have no idea what God is trying to teach somebody through those circumstances. And I don't want to pray myself or somebody else out of a situation that is going to teach them an elemental truth about God. Um, I prayed for a job. I prayed earnestly for a job. I prayed daily for a job. I prayed, I, I texted people in this room before I went into interviews and said, this could be it. This feels pretty good. Would you pray for me? And they did too. Um, I would not have chosen 2016. I would not trade the lessons that 2016 taught me for anything. I would not want to relive 2016. But I value the lessons that I learned in my season of unemployment. And I'll wrap it up, guys, by saying um, this is my story. Okay, that it's, I don't, None of the things that I've said 
uh, <laughs> I would not I would not describe this as prescriptive. <laughs> I pray that you don't go through that type of experience. I pray that you're smarter than I was and that you learn some of the lessons that, that God taught me through that experience without having to go through that experience. Um, the way that I reacted to different situations and the way that I, things that I did during different pieces of that, that time, um, I didn't handle everything correctly. I didn't handle everything right. Um, but, uh, but maybe there's something there that, that rings true for you. And maybe there's something there that you can take away that'll bless you. And that's my prayer this morning. Thanks for giving me your ear, giving me your time.